cut that a little bit short because uh, I want to get to the meat and potatoes of the podcast today. I'm Scott. I'm the Sober Heathen. Um, back-to-back podcasts. Pretty excited about that. Another guest today. We get to hear um, somebody else's story on how they did it. Um, Justin, uh, I don't know Justin uh, real super well, but we have a connection with the treatment center uh, that we both attended. And uh, he's got a pretty good milestone that he hit today. Um, so it's a great way to celebrate. Uh, I'll let you tell him, or I'll let him tell you what it is. Um, again, thanks for joining. Check out the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast. Liking and commenting, um, ob- obviously subscribing helps the podcast grow. It gets it out to other people when they're searching for recovery or they're searching for alcoholism or addiction. Um, the more comments, the more the uh, algorithm will will recognize certain things and it'll move us up the chain and uh, we'll be able to reach more people. So without further ado, here's Justin S. Welcome to the Sober Heathen Podcast, my friend. Thank you, my friend. I'm Justin. I'm an addict and an alcoholic or alcoholic and an addict. I'm 20 or 39 years old this year. So this August, I'll be 39. Um, I identify as Native American. I have quarter blood. My dad's half blood. I grew up um, a good childhood. My parents were good to us. Uh, I grew up as a woodsman's son and, and I grew up Jehovah's Witness. And okay, that was good. A good church background. All right. So, uh, my parents got divorced when I was like 12 or 13. And that's when everything started imploded on my, in my world. Um, I started stealing cigarettes, stealing alcohol, and I started abusing my ADHD medication and school went nowhere. I blew all that off. I threw a scholarship for baseball out the window Drinking, drugging, I was the guy you came to for dr- drugs and such. Um, I did get married. I have three three kids, two kids with uh, my ex-wife, and, you know, my drinking and drugging wrecked that. I mean, she couldn't trust me, and I couldn't trust her, and it just, we went apart. It got ugly for a while, and I was still drinking and drugging. I got uh, my first two DUIs during that time. Um, I had to do the inpatient like everybody does, the go to these classes for 30 days to six months and go through your probation. That didn't work for me. Um, I just kept drinking and drugging behind everybody's back. And this, there's a lot, a lot that imploded in my world. Um, what really brought me into the rooms was this last DUI, number five, and it was bad. I was blacked out drunk driving up and down the highway, um, smashing cones for no reason. I uh, got pulled over, fought with the cops. Uh, well, when I went to jail, I had a psychotic break. My schizophrenia kicked in. I was seeing stuff. I was hearing stuff. So I had to go to the the psych ward and for a month there, I was just praying that everything would get okay. I could get medication to fix it. And then I had to go back to jail. So that wasn't so fun trying to get, get sober while I'm dealing with a mental thing and in jail. 
And I just kept talking to other guys and they said, rehab, rehab. So I got a hold of a rehab and that's that Harbor Hall there in Petoskey, Michigan. I owe that place my life, dude. They opened my eyes in a spiritual way, not just a religious way. They're, they, wow, dude. The pies, the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. I can tell you guys all about that, but that's not for this time. That is one thing that I carry on to this day in my sobriety. Today is 11 months since I was incarcerated and did all that last year. It is 11 months. And I'm doing what I can today to better myself for tomorrow. What can I do to help the next sick and suffering, the people without voices, to help them see that recovery is possible? My background is horrible. I will admit to that. But it is a learning process from that background. You know, I'm still dealing with the being on probation from this last DUI, but that's okay. The halftime thing's about to come up, and maybe I'll get off probation then. But I'm not really on that. I'm trying to do the spiritual journey that I got out of uh, Harbor Harbor Hall. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, Harbor Hall, the guys there. What really got me at rehab was, oh, Spirit Dan, that guy. To this day, I still... I just want to hug that dude because he drug my heart and my head together. Like he put, put them in alignment, like with a, with a smack to my face that I wasn't different than anybody else in that place. And, and after that, I was just going, doing what I, what I could. I got eight steps, one through eight steps while I was in rehab. I did one through eight and then I was out on my own now when I couldn't go any further, I couldn't make them amends. And I wasn't, I was doing the zoom. Okay. MMER zoom meetings. And I just couldn't progress from there. And that was 11 months ago when I was like, why can't I move forward with changing myself? Why can't I be, you know, better than the day before? And I think that was because I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't have somebody to, to open my eyes more like they did in rehab, to to ask me the real hard questions of, did you really do a deep dive in that, Justin? Are you sure you can give that up? Can you really give that up? And yeah, today I can say that now I have that sponsor and that spiritual guide with my higher power that, dude, it has been amazing the things that I've accomplished since I've been out. I, I have a job. I'm I'm working towards getting my GED so I can be a substance abuse counselor, which I have a pull to do. I mean, it's this thing inside me that says, you know, you can accomplish this and it's going to help the cause. And the cause is this recovery process. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be truly in recovery because I'm still learning to this day that I have to let go of my ego and let go of all them questions that, don't need to be answered by me. It, it can be answered by the higher power, and that comes in time. And that that comes in the in the taking the doing the steps, working them with a sponsor. And my sponsor is just awesome. He also has that went to rehab background where you know if it works in rehab, why can't you do it 
on the outside? Why can't you stay in that routine of doing them readings early in the morning before you go to work? And and I, I do to this day. I try to just keep progressing in my readings, the Red Road to Well Variety, the 12 and 12, the the daily reflections, everything that I did at Harbor Hall as in treatment was like, the, here's your path, Justin, keep merging into what you got to do and, and then just work on you. Everybody's path's different. And I keep hearing that in the eight and the zoom rooms too, is everybody's path's different, but we're all saying the same thing. We want recovery. We want to help you if you want help. So, I mean, Dude, wow. It's been great. Um, you had questions. I, I was Yeah, 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 man. No, I was just letting you go, dude. You're 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 on a roll there. Um yeah, Spirit Dan, I mean, um you either love them or hate them, I think. I think that's your two options. And I think if you hate them, it's because you're not ready to to hear hear the truth. You know, that you're not ready to be as he likes to say, and and I've kind of taken hold of the word, you're you're not willing to be authentic. And, and say what needs to be said. Um, you did say something interesting. Um, you're not sure if you'll ever be in recovery. It's, it's, it's that learning process that wake up every day, do my third and seventh step prayer, and still learning how to get out of my own way when situations and things aren't exactly how I think they're supposed to be, you know? Okay. Okay. It's, it's really uh he's guiding me through the day instead of me making things happen through the day. Okay. I, I like to get people's uh, opinions on that because, you know, uh, when you're exploring multiple pathways, like it sounds like uh, that you are too, it's not just 12 steps, um, you know, in the, in the social media that uh, I've engulfed myself in, um, you know, some people are saying once you decide that you want to quit uh, your day one is you're in recovery. So it's, 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 I guess it's how, all how you look at it. And it really doesn't matter if you are or you aren't, if you say that you are or you aren't, it doesn't matter. I just like to pick your brain a little bit and see, see what you think. So you think this is going to be an ongoing thing and um, it's just going to be, uh, well, they say it's a, it's a journey, not a destination, right? So as long yeah, as you're on that lifetime journey and uh, never, never ever get it, but I have what I have. And I want to give what I have away to you guys. Right on. So that's where the multiple well, S come in. John Duty says the uh, you'll you'll have it when you're six feet under, right? That's when yep. you got this. You don't you don't got it. You'll you'll get it when you're six feet under. Is what John Duty always used to say. Uh, so five OWIs, man. Uh, I mean, I know what it's like to have four. <laughs> So five, uh, talk a little bit about, um, I, I know there's there's one dude in particular that I hope you listen to this. I, I, I don't think he will, but uh, he's looking at four as well. Uh, what were some of the consequences that you had to, obviously we know there's going to be jail time, but what were some of the consequences? Uh, what was the hardest part of, of getting through that? If, if somebody's listening that is facing an OWI one, two, three, four, or five or whatever, um, what was the hardest part for you? dealing with with those consequences letting go of the control of being able to drive man being able to it's a i lost the freedom and now i have to work back work at getting it back just like my recovery it's a working process um the worst yeah that was the worst part of it losing that freedom of being able to travel around i mean 
go to be able to get to work is harder now than it used to be. Sure. To be able to just get in your car and go. Um, now it's uh, I gotta talk to people and schedule rides and have somebody pick me up, and so it's a juggling act and a balancing thing. Dealing with my probation officer, it, if you got more than one DUI, you know the ringer, you know the loops and what you got to do to get get signed off. Um, I don't ever think I'll get my driver's license back because of well, the nature and severity of the drunk drivings. Uh, but I guess I can be all right with that. And I'm trying to be fit, so riding a bike's better for me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, one thing we have to learn is acceptance, right? So if the state decides not to give you or me, because I could be in the same boat um, with four, they decide not to give a, our license back there's really nothing we can do about it right we acceptance okay. page 417 of the big book we have to accept it and move on so I, I like your outlook on that it is what it is that is a challenge um, the freedom that you lose to be able to travel freely and you know just go to the grocery store if you need to or go see family um, if they're in need you know I, I know the feeling I'm, I'm feeling it right now being trapped um, not being able to go help my kids uh, fix a stupid computer, you know, something that simple. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm stuck. I can't do that. But um, I would trade that freedom for the freedom that I feel so far in my recovery. I, I would trade that every day of the week to not, you know, it's, it's trading one freedom for real freedom for me. I don't know. Which no, I feel the same way too about that. It, it's, my recovery and what I'm doing now is is way more powerful than having a driver's license. I mean, right now, I'm happy with what I have in my situation. And I can truly say that I'm grateful for everything that I have right now. And sure. that's not really much, but I'm super grateful for it. Yeah, I, I have less than I've ever had, and I've never felt better. So, I mean, that, that to me is the biggest message I could send to somebody that's struggling and, and thinking that, things are done. You know, I got to go to treatment. It's over. Oh my God, I got an OW. I'm going to go to jail. Uh, speaking of jail. So this 11 months, you spent some time in jail during these 11 months. So oh yeah, I know the struggle. I spoke about it on the previous podcast, so I don't need to rehash my, my crap. But uh, for you, when you're in jail, uh, trying to stay sober, I know, you know, you, you're going to have people that you're sharing a cell with that make hooch. They're, they're, they're gumming pills. They're, you know, they're, they're doing things to try to, you know, their talk, the talk is terrible. You know, they, they can't wait to get out and get back to using because using is not the problem yet. It's clearly the fucking problem. But anyway, I'm not, not to judge others. So what did you do when you were in jail to, to keep your mind straight? Oh, well, I ended up being a trustee and then my mind got warped. Okay. I got right back into the mentality of, I can trade this. I can do, I can draw that. I can, I can pull my game in, in jail. And as a trustee, man, some things went down that I'm not proud of. I, I, okay. We got a, a liquor in and we all as trustees drank it right away. Um, I went to the kitchen to do my trustee job. Still half kind of cocked. Guess what this alcoholic did? Found the cooking vanilla. Yeah. And I got wasted in jail and it sucked, dude. It was the worst thing I ever did. I felt so remorseful of myself. I started getting down on myself. And then I was like, no, you got time to get 
over this while you're still in here. Let's do better, Justin. That was not what we do. That's not how we do this in recovery. So when I got out, I did the full swing, get back into exactly what what they taught me in, in rehab was get into the 12 steps, get that sponsor and do it the right way. You know, if you don't know, ask somebody. We're always there to help. I mean, they're always there to help. Yeah. I got a list of phone numbers of people that I call every day. And each one of them, just to say hi, is a joy. To, it lights my face up just to say, hey, what's up, guys? You guys all right? You know, just to shoot the crap or whatever. Yeah, a simple check-in is, is enough to, to sometimes turn my my mood around. Um, so you had some recovery before you went into jail, and I'm not trying to harp on the jail thing, um, but I think it's very important because I have a podcast that I have planned, or I'm going to be pretty pretty angry because I had a pretty good thing going. It wasn't perfect, but I going into jail with my recovery, I felt was in a good place, and then I got sentenced, and all recovery stopped in jail. I don't know where you were at in jail. They offered AA in the jail that I was in one day a week. Now, we didn't get AA in uh, Wexford County Jail. Uh, we had uh, Forgotten Man once a month. Uh, the jail really wasn't so empathetic towards recovery. They really weren't. They offered one recovery Bible, Uh once, maybe twice a month, you'd be able to talk to CMH, but that's not like recovery. That's just not. Um, they were empathetic about the schizophrenia thing. They were really worried about worried about me hurting myself while I was in there. And that's how I got to go to the, the psych ward. Um, but after that, they were just kind of snarky, thinking I was playing games with them, and it wasn't a game. I was. Oh, the problem is they're uneducated. Now, I don't want to turn this into a, a podcast no, about no. that. Yeah. They're uneducated for it. Jail is not the answer for somebody that wants to get help. Um, there is no help in there. You're, 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 I just wanted to touch on that. So, because I haven't been in every jail, you know, um, I, and so you've been the one that I haven't been to, but it sounds like it's the same thing. Um, you know, uh, as I said in the podcast, when I was leaving or the day that I got out, um, I was limping on, a, on my gout. And the one officer made a comment that, uh, oh, you're going to go smoke crack to make your ankle feel better. It was just completely uncalled for. You know what I mean? Uh, he wasn't trying to be funny. He was being a complete fucking douchebag. Um, I just, I'm really fired up about trying to get people that are incarcerated, uh, getting them some help. So, I'm, yeah, uh, even regular jails help because prison, they get help in prison. Yes. We don't in jail. The The jails are, it's broken. The system is very broken. That's how we got stuff in as trustees. The, yeah. the system is broken. It's broken. I mean, it's, 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 it's not a fix, man. To, to, to call it corrections or correctional facility or call it, it you know, uh, these consequences are not solving the problem. They're For me, they're, they're making it worse. But let's get back to you. So, um Let's see here. So you you said that you were married. You had three kids, right? Yeah, I had one kid with a lady while I was real young, and she was an awesome person. She still is an awesome person. I get to talk to Dan whenever I want. Um, my ex-wife and the other two kids are in Idaho, and they're doing great. You know, I did have a bad relationship, a bad falling out with the ex, but since I've been sober, I've been trying to 
encourage her and help her, you know, sometimes people have bad days and just that text of, I'm proud of you for raising our kids. And I say our kids instead of mine and yours, because it came out of both of us first, you know? So if I can just try to make her day a little bit better, you know, it's given trying to give them myself and it's far, far away. So I can't really do much about it. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, uh, without a license, uh, 45 minutes or four or five states, it's about the same, you know, there's, it's, it's, so I, I I definitely can uh, empathize and and relate to you on that. Um, I do the same thing. I do. I, I haven't been there as a father um, for a while now. Um, So I, I totally understand. And when we have an ex that is doing it on their own to show them appreciation um, for what they're doing while we're trying to get ourselves in a, in a better place. That's really awesome, man. That's I, I can't say enough how awesome that is to hear that, that, that uh, you're showing her that kind of grace, man. That's very, uh, that's awesome. I, I mean, people that aren't struggling addiction. I, I know people that have exes that they can't do that when they're just, they just didn't work. They can't even be that civil. So I think that's a huge step for you, man. Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, you talked about um, talked about your ADH medicine. Um, yeah, that kind of yeah, started that, it. That was a yeah bad thing that I started abusing, and it turned into methamphetamines later. I mean, it was one of those things that I couldn't put down. Like I couldn't put down alcohol, and I tried geographical locations to get over it. And yeah, I could get away from the people to get off it. But once I came back and started hanging out with them people again, it was all over. The game sure. started all over again. And I did put down methamphetamines before I put down alcohol, before I got treatment for alcohol. Um, I wish I would have got treatment late, earlier when my ex-wife asked me to do that uh, before we got divorced. But that's that's then, this is now. Sure. I I do learn my lessons hard, very hard. Sure, <laughs> I think that's important for people to understand is um, when the alcoholic or addict, they're not going to get better until they're ready to do it. And, exactly. You know, and we we start to get there, and it's like, man, if I could have just done this, my first treatment, if I would have just paid attention like I did before. But you know, not every treatment is Harbor Hall, and I, I I'm. I hate, you know, uh, treatment is treatment. You know, it's better than nothing. But uh, Harbor Hall is a special place, man. I, it's, it was so spiritual. Yep. There. It was just awesome. I felt so new. It was like they hit the reset button and I could just start a new life from nothing again. And I was okay with that. And it, they got me to a calm level and then just said, here's the path. Take it, Justin. And once I did get out, and I was afraid. I remembered. Here's the path, Justin. Take it. Sure. And I just, man, that place was awesome. It was the best thing I ever did. And I, I'll thank the boss that I have now, Nick Nolan, for taking me to the rehab. Oh, that's awesome. He bailed me out of jail. So I was in jail four months, and I and they said I could go to rehab. And I uh, I called him and said they said I can go to rehab will you bond me out to go to rehab? He goes, not only will I bond you out to go to rehab, I'll take you there myself. So, and I work for this man to this day because dude, that is, I owe the man just like I owe Harbor Hall. A new me is wow. That's awesome, dude. That's one hell of a guy, man. 
I'll shake his hand if I ever meet him. Yeah, that's, that's a huge move for him. That's so great to hear those type of things. Um, so, <clears throat> so was Harbor Hall your first treatment then? Real inpatient treatment, yeah. I did quite a few of them, drug and alcohol classes before I knew the the counselor by name. We sat and discussed my story before. It, it did help for a little while, but it nothing really stuck. Sure. I mean, I, I knew about dependencies and codependencies and stuff that they talk about there, but Harbor Hall really broke it down and said, you really got to do a deep dive into your own soul to fix that malady. And and they explained that spiritual malady to me too. The, the, the sit down that I had with spiritual Dan was, wow, dude, I was such a broken person. And, and then he just handed me the pieces back and said, you can fix yourself. Sure. But he really didn't say that. It was just a spiritual experience that happened. Right on, dude. Right on. Yeah, I remember sitting in his office several times, and I was a real pain in the ass because I was, for the first, you know, out of the hundred and uh, or the two hundred and eighteen days that I was there, probably a hundred and eighty of them, I was a hardcore atheist, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't get what he was telling me, and he was telling me, dude, just let it go. You know, that's fine that you believe this way, but you're focusing too much on trying to go against the religion part of it. But it was spiritual, the spiritual part that I needed. And I just couldn't get it through my big, fat, stupid head. I had it took an OWI number four and, and go into a whole nother treatment to, to, to applicate what Dan was telling me, man. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about that guy. Uh, so, um, do you have uh, Do you have any? Uh, I wrote down here. What are some? Uh, can you think of any ridiculous excuses that you used while you were in in use to to use? Or do you have? Um, you know, I'm not asking you to share your deepest darkest secrets, but uh, I, I think getting it out in heaven. You know, like uh, me wearing a shirt for pants to the gas station across the street from my house. You know, and my pants falling down and me getting kicked out of there. I think I think uh, stories like that can can kind of help people. Do you have any any that you'd like to throw so, out there? Well, I was going through the divorce. I had got kicked out of the house, and I was in my own place, and I was drinking real heavy. And the 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 place I was working for didn't care that I drank like I did. They they just wanted me to work every day and to be there every day. Um so a day off I was drunk laying I passed out on the floor and my ex took a video of me laying on the floor, my daughter crawling all over me well, I was passed out and she took the money that she needed and left. Um and then sent me the video later. Um that really didn't stop me. That was more of a, oh, I, maybe a slowdown moment, but it, it just kicked back off in a couple of weeks anyways. Um, I, I would go to people's, I would have jobs set up to cut firewood, like cut a pulp cord into a face cord uh, to, uh, and then I would just like show up at their job, all blacked out, falling out of my truck, expecting to cut firewood. And they'd send me home and call me the next day, Justin, are you all right? And 
man, I was never really all right. I, I would just mask it more with drugs and alcohol. I would, if, if the alcohol had me falling over, I would do some amphetamines to get me up and bouncing around while I was still like tipsy topply. Um, man, so many drunk moments. Uh, well, I think you said something. I think you said something that's pretty important. You know, you got that video of your of your kid crawling around on you. Um, obviously, well, I won't speak for you. I, you saw that video in a in a sober moment. What did you feel, man? Like I didn't even know that dude. Who really was that? I, it took me four or five times to watch it and to see that it was really me, then and not somebody else. Um regret that my daughter had to see me like that um she was too young to remember it but she doesn't like me when I drink anyway she would always tell me don't drink dad just hang out with us and I would try to hide it and still she would know and she would she she would always want the better for her dad and now that I am sober going through the process she does know about it and she encourages me like I get to talk to him. I got to talk to him today and they were like, good job, dad. 11 months is great. And then they, they had to go do stuff. So well, maybe they, 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 maybe they'll get to listen to the podcast later and they'll, they'll, they'll get to hear more about it. Um, so I have a video too, that was sent to me by my ex fiance, uh, me hunched over at the table, just eating, just drunk as all hell. And my son crying, like my dad always feels, he's always, he, 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 he's always sick and doesn't feel good when I'm here. And, you know, and he's, he's super emotional and sad and I can barely function. I'm just, I can barely eat. So I guess this might be a tough, tough question to answer. So the people that are on the outside that don't understand that this is a disease and that we love our children as much as anybody loves them. We love our, you know, significant others as much as anybody else does. What would you say to them? And it's like, well, you've seen this video, you passed out on the floor and your kid crawling over there. Why, why couldn't you just stop? Well, what would you say to, to somebody that's going to be that forward to you? Why, why couldn't you just stop for your kids? Why couldn't you just stop for your significant other? I didn't know how to, how to stop. I didn't know what steps to take to stop. I didn't even know about AA or, you know, treatment was a thing like, I always thought that that was like prison to me. Like, I don't want prison numbers, so I didn't want to go to rehab. But, man, it was the best thing I ever did doing it, going to the rehab, finding out that, man, I was broken back then. I I didn't understand. And, And what I would say to him now is, I'm sorry, and I know better now. The things that I've learned from rehab and from the last 11 months in Zoom, man, that's a life changer, and I I wish I could have done it then, but that's here or there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really hard for the people that haven't been around addiction um, to understand that we're the same people that we were that they fell in love with. We're the same father that our children loved. We're the same person that the, you know, our significant other others either married or agreed to marry. We're still the same people. It's just the disease has taken over and it, it doesn't negate our feelings and our love for them whatsoever. And, you know, you just don't, for me, I didn't know how to function. 
I didn't know how to love without alcohol. I didn't know how to be happy without alcohol. I didn't know how to deal with stress and pain without alcohol, without my substance. I, I, I just didn't know how to do that. And it, it took, you know, um, I think I, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, there is no rock bottom. You hit bottom when you stop digging. I didn't know how to stop digging. Exactly. And, and all the pictures of me being fat and bloated and sweaty and kids crying and, you know, me passed out. And, and all the stories, you know, they weren't enough until I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and wanted to make a change. And that's until until you can decide that you're willing to try to learn how to handle these things without alcohol. Um, I mean, it's it appears like you don't care, but I just need people to know that that is not the case. No, we just don't know how. And I, I wish there was a way to to tell other people you really don't know how have to know how just watch what we do and, and try to do what we do. And everybody's paths a little different, but if, if you can just compare instead of say, I didn't do that. No, I, you didn't, you know, you did that in a different manner. Um, man. So that's, that's what I got. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I think the biggest thing for me, and um, is the full disclosure, full honesty. You know, you don't want to be to the point where you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. But doing this podcast and talking to people, um, and just being being honest, like you said, you know, um, no, that wasn't me, or no, I didn't say that. The freedom from the lies and the schemes um, that came with addiction. Uh, for me has has lifted such a huge weight off my shoulders and i think uh, if 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 i could tell somebody one thing it's be brutally honest about everything with everybody that you care about and it might be a shell shock initially for them but it's going to help you more than anything so so let's let's phrase it that way then. So if you could tell, you know, you got somebody that you know right now, or somebody approaches you that is, is struggling, in a couple sentences, what would be what would be Justin's ideal? Putting you on the spot here, what would Justin say to uh, Justin's doppelganger who's going through what you were going through? What what do you wish somebody would have told you? How about that? Early on, I, I wish somebody would put that hand out like. Like they they did this time. I wish somebody would have said, "Here, Justin, there's a, there's a way out of this." Instead of keep digging, um, I really didn't know how to stop digging. Like you said, uh, if if it was me to tell me, man, just stop digging and look for the way out because the light is there. You just got to accept it and and turn away from what you used to know. Um, it it might have been scary for that person to hear that because it, you know it kind of gave me a little irk just to say it but you know <laughs> to to be brutally honest yeah do that deep dive see what really what what really is broken and what you can fix yourself because you can't rely on other people to fix you for sure it's so and mine came from watching my dad do the same things that I did. I did the same things he did, passing out, drunk, and we poked him and took his wallet. And that's what happened to me, man. 
if if I, if I could stop the monotony, I'd I'd smack the beer bottle out of his hand and whoop his ass. But that's I can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, another another good point that you made there. You know, um, no matter how much our loved ones want to help and save us, they can't. the The best thing to happen to me was the love of my life kicking my ass out of the house for the second time and saying, you know, I, I can't talk to you and, and blocked me. And that was the best thing that she could have done for me because even with little kids, they're going to grow up and they're going to move on to other relationships and they're not going to be there. You can't do it for them. That's why you can't do it for your kids. They're, they're focused uh, when they're younger, they're focused on ooh, video game, ooh, piece of candy. Th- they can't be the ones to support you. Loved ones, you know, they pass on, they move on. You can't depend on that. And I think, like you said, you have to depend on yourself. You have to be in a good place in your heart with yourself and love yourself and be a version of you that you don't want to lose again. Right, right. That that total restart 360 on yourself that you don't want to look back on. I mean, you do to learn the lessons from what you did before to not do that again. And to be able to tell the next person that I already did that, that's not a great idea. Probably. I I recommend highly. You don't do what I did. Uh, Yeah. It's like those old guys in the meetings that kept saying, you know, it works. If it work it, uh, the promises will come true. And I heard that when I wasn't ready to quit, I heard that and like, there's no way that you can have fun without using there's no way there's no way that i can have fun without drinking it's that's impossible i can't give it up and lo and behold all those assholes were right yeah at the end of the day they were right i have way more fun sober than i ever have had drunk yeah remember it i'm fully cognitive i'm aware of everything and connected and that's what what really works with me is just trying to be connected and engaged in the moment and with the people around me. For sure. For sure. And I, I one, one thing to, uh, that I thought of about Dan, Dan doesn't have any experience in addiction. He wasn't an addict, but oh, no. he, he's been around it enough. He's the one guy that I trust completely to, to get, get an opinion from that's never been an addiction, you know, like Mike G um, he was great. Because um, he's been through it, you know what I mean. It you, you can really connect. And Dan was a guy that I connected with, even with him not having the experience of being in in, in an addict. I would love, dude. I'd love to get Dan and John Duty on the podcast sometime. I, I hope that can happen one day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I would love to hear that. But well, what else you got, man? Uh, how you feel? How you feel about? Uh, Coming on and- I don't have a meeting here in Leroy, Michigan, and, and the nearest town's 45 minutes away, so I only have Zoom, and I really got to give it up to them guys that it really felt like home. It really felt like being in Harbor Hall around that big table with all the guys, it, my wolf pack, that I'll call it, uh, sure. it, MMER is just like that. It's, it's just like home, it, and they all understand even though we come from different backgrounds and, and try different paths. So if, if, if you can just listen and try to compare yourself and not, not take it to a, a weird place or wrong place and just try to learn from the next guy, the older guys, 
they got a lot of experience that I never knew could come out of that. Um, in my experience, yeah, listening and learning and always knowing that I can work on myself more every day. I'm, I'm not totally fixed yet. I don't think I'll ever be fixed because uh, I'm a human being. I'm, I'm born perfectly imperfect. And I'm okay with that. Today, I am okay with everything that I am and everything that will be. And and the red road and the 12 steps are really working for me. So I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to read Search for Serenity once a year. You know, it, it helps to realize, you know, there is more work to be done. We're not all perfect and every situation is different. And there's always more learning to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you got daily reflect reflections. Um, you got uh, the nightlight. You got the 24 hours. Uh, one of my favorite was the Red Road. Um, what is that? Uh, the Four Seasons, the book yeah. that we read Armor All. Yeah. That, and that's uh, that's a native. There you go. Yeah. And that's the Red Road um, for people in my area. Um, I don't know if Pier 360 is down in your area or not. Does that sound familiar? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Pier 360 is a group that uh, um, they're not a 12-step group. They're the, they're the Red Road group, and it's it's they have meetings four times a day. If you just Google uh, Pier 360, it's another pathway. It's really good. The meetings are really great. Um, and then the Four Seasons book is, I, I think that's based off the Native American, um, right? The Isn't that the Red Road, too? Yeah, it's just like a daily reflections. Right. So, and that, that, those are my favorite. I always tried to read the four seasons when I was in Harper Hall. So those are some book ideas to, to check out for daily reading. So, yeah, Mike G turned me on to it because of my native background and it really helped me find my creator, my, my higher power. And to know that I can use him as a dependency and that's an okay dependency yeah. is awesome, dude. I, I love that. I love being able to give it up and turn it over. It's a freeing peace and, yeah. and by working it it works and i promise it works you just gotta put the work in and sometimes it's so hard for people to say yeah. okay i can yep. do it yep drop the rock give up give yourself a chance well dude uh, you bring great energy man i'm glad we found each other i'm, I'm glad that uh, you're willing to come on the podcast and and talk about it every new voice helps so if, I, I recover out loud for all those that don't yeah. have voice. And, and if you want me on the, the quadruple panel of yeah. questionnaire, dude, I'm down. You know, I'm always ready to do something that helps for recovery. You know, I, I feel the need to be in the process. They told me to stay in the middle when I first got there. And and, and that's what I do is I'm, I'm on Zoom doing the safety and host and co-host and it works if if you just put a little effort into it and there's always multiple pathways there's always multiple pathways yep that's 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 huge for people to understand that if aa is not for you you got to give it a chance though because you got to give them all a chance because you you know i i remember it was a harbor hall meeting and this dude every time it came his turn it's like jesus h he's going to talk for 15 fucking minutes and all you hear is wah, 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 wah. But I remember one meeting in particular. It was after days of this. And I just tried to listen. And right at the end, this dude 
all this wah, 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 wah. He brought it full circle. And I was like, holy shit, that was good. You know, so get into a meeting. Don't leave. Don't log out of the Zoom meeting. It seems like, and it sounds ridiculous, but it seems like you find something that you can take away every single time. So there's there's yeah. something. And, and just leave the other crap, you know. <laughs> just leave the other crap and take what you need. Don't get upset about something that was said. It wasn't, you know, it didn't come out of your mouth. So why do you think it's yours? Well, we're addicts. We got a bitch about everything, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I, I, the acceptance thing has been, you know, I don't squeal about everything anymore. Right. Just being okay with everything I'm good with, you know? So yep. no more squealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Acceptance is key, man. Hell yeah. Well, Thank you very much. Um, appreciate it. Uh, I will get you the link first um, so you can send it to people that you want to listen to. And then we'll post it. And uh, hopefully we help somebody today, man. I really appreciate you. I really hope we help somebody too, man. I really All do. Right. Thanks well, for you, having me on. Hey, happy 11 months, dude. Uh, you can't say enough uh, what accomplishment that is. I mean, it's that's huge, man. I'm, it's the most recovery time I've ever been able to put together. You, before, it was only a couple of months, maybe a day. But now it's uh, an everyday thing for me. It's it's part of my life, the recovery process. All right on, man. Well, maybe we'll hook back up at, uh, in a month from now, see how you're doing. All right. Right on, man. All right, Justin. Take care, brother. You too, man. See ya.